0: The title of this episode says it all. We want to give a fair warning to our listeners that the actions in this case are gruesome and may not be suitable for some. So, fair warning. You can check out our website at theeerietouch.com for our source materials and reference photos for each episode. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, and our YouTube channel. Be sure to follow us, The Eerie Touch, on Facebook for new leads and updates, and we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five star review on whatever platform you listen to your podcast on. It would really help us out. Hey, y'all. I'm your host, Gabrielle. And I'm Alan. Welcome to The Eerie Touch, where every week we dive into all things murder, mystery, and paranormal. No matter what you believe in, it's clearly impossible to not admit that there is evil in this world. It hides in the darkest corners, known to disguise itself as something you love or someone you trust. Here, you'll find it tucked away in a state that some people tend to forget about. The devil may have gone down to Georgia, but he made his way up to West Virginia in 2002. It's the end of August in West Virginia, the summer weather lingers on as the ground begins to home the leaves on those lush green trees that the area is known for. Dirt roads are scattered with four-wheeler and ATV riders stretching out what's left of those warm, sunshiny days. You'll find neighbors building bonfires, making s'mores, and throwing a few back with friends. But the sun dropped and the sky turned dark on the evening of August 30th, 2002. Wanda Lesher was 40 years old living in Chapmanville, West Virginia, with her two babies.
1: Which isn't too far from where we're at here in Mingo County, maybe a 45-minute drive. Yeah.
0: Wanda was a mother of two, and as years went by for her, it just meant another year of being able to watch her babies grow. Her daughter started a memorial page on Facebook for her mom, and in a post, she talked about how Wanda would let her help trim her hair, and she goes on to say how she would sit back and watch Wanda touch up her roots so you wouldn't see her Grace which just reminds me of my mom because she's the same way. You can love your age, but that doesn't mean everyone has to know your age. (laughs) Wanda was known for her goofball personality that a lot of people who knew her found comforting. There was never a time a friend needed help that Wanda wasn't there to lend a helping hand. Her loving and fun-going personality is truly what sold her. She was known to break out and dance a time or two and had a laugh of all her own still though at the end of the day her kids were her lifeline the weekend mornings consisted of her babies crawling up in bed just to snuggle with their mama while they watched a little tv before she would get up to start the day for wanda this meant brewing her a pot of coffee yeah i can agree with that that's the way i get my day started (laughs) yeah every morning I think it has to be an age thing, because whenever I was in high school and college, like, I hated the taste of coffee. Loved the smell, though, but when I hit my mid-twenties, iced coffee definitely became my addiction. So Wanda would sip her coffee, and of course, her days couldn't go by without talking to her sister, Diane. They had this inseparable bond that I know firsthand because of how close Kayla and I are, and I'm sure many of you do. They spoke most days, and Wanda always confided in her sister about life, worries, love interest, and just all-around things that you would confide in your best friend with. So on Friday evening of August 30th, 2002, Wanda had decided to go out that night to let loose and have some fun. She makes plans to ride out to a local bar and hang out with some friends.
1: Uh, okay, I'm going to be that person right now. What What about our kids?
0: <laughs> well, with all things considered, Wanda was a great mom. So she had also made plans for her kids to be taken care of. I mean, we still drink a time or two and we have kids.
1: I, I can understand it. Uh, you've got to get away sometimes. You know, yeah. get out, and let your hair down, have a few drinks. And sometimes the, the kids kind of make you want to drink. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, for real. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Well, Wanda makes her way to the local bar, and her night is just like any other night most of us have had at the bar. Music blaring, cutting loose, dancing, laughing with friends, and all together having a good night. But we never stop to think of what could happen. We never stop to look around us to see what evil may be lurking behind our backs, especially when you live in a small town or country area like we do. I mean, we're known as God's country. But with a place as heavenly as this, you're bound to find the devil waiting to grab hold of you. The night is coming to an end for Wanda, and as she makes her way to exit, two men that she knows, Aaron Nelson and Alfred Dingus Jr., are drunk, and they're trying to find a ride home.
1: So, I'm guessing they're they're all friends.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I would call them friends, but she did know them. Alfred claims she was Aaron's ex-girlfriend, but Aaron denies the allegation towards him, and Wanda isn't here to tell us. What I do know is in court documents, the allegation is brought up once, it's denied, and it's never brought back up. So, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that if there was any truth behind it, or any facts to back it up, that... The state would have brought it back up in court again but it wasn't so probably not true yeah in retrospect I'm gonna say that she knew them at least on a friend level like I said before Wanda was a good woman with a good heart and she always would lend a helping hand so it's no surprise when they needed a ride that she offered to give them one Aaron Nelson and Alfred Dingus Jr. jump into Wanda's vehicle and they begin to take off for what would turn out to be a ride through hell on their way home, or at least what Wanda probably thought was to their home, the two men tell her to turn onto this mountain road. Once they reach the destination, she's a little confused because what she's looking at is this cemetery.
1: So they lived near
0: a cemetery? Nope.
1: Uh, there? Uh, okay, so, so where? at
0: Okay. So they pull up into Canterbury Cemetery, which is located about half a mile after you cross Dingus Mountain from Logan County. It's on the left side. You have to go on the dirt road the men had one to drive on to even get to it.
1: Okay, I, I know what you're talking about now. What did Aaron and Alfred tell her once they got there? Did she start freaking out? Oh, I mean, I'm sure she well, was. I'm sure she'd be wondering what was going on. Yeah,
0: you know, like you know, she's confused. But the court documents that I was able to pull online didn't go into detail how the men got her out of the car, but somehow they managed. When Wanda exits her car, she looks around and her gut drops when she sees three other men walking through the cemetery towards them. These three men are Zandal Bryant and Aaron's two brothers, David and Clinty Nelson. They grab hold of Wanda and start saying just these horrible, vile things towards her. And all five of the men join together in holding Wanda down and removing her clothing. She's doing her best to try to fight them off, but five against one is a losing battle. Each man takes their turn in sexually assaulting her. And once the group of sorry lowlifes are done, they have Wanda completely surrounded. She's crying, she's hurting, she's praying, and she is begging the men to just let her go home to her babies. Now, it's not in court documents or anything like that, but you know, she was she probably told them that she wouldn't even tell anyone. I feel like that's pretty common when you're trying to talk your way out of something like that.
1: There's a really good chance, I, I would think.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean
1: she just wants to get home to her kids. Yeah. I mean that's you know, that's she just wants to get out of the situation right then, right there. I won't tell anyone, just just let me go. And honestly it's it's pretty common for rapes and, and sexual assaults to go unreported. Mm-hmm. Typically out of 1,000, only 230 are actually reported.
0: See, that is just so heartbreaking to me. Like, I understand that some may feel guilt, some may feel shame or fear for the worst if, if they were to tell, but I promise you that talking about it and reporting it does so much more than just make sure that that offender can't do it again. It can help you heal those wounds and recover. If you're a victim of sexual assault, you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at one 800 656-4673. Six, six, six,
1: or call your local police. Uh, even if you don't want to press charges, uh, of course, we're going to encourage you to. We can point you in the right direction uh, to, to get help, you know, mm-hmm. to help you through the, to, through this. Because it's, it's a traumatic experience, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Well, either way it went, the men wouldn't have any hearsay in what Wanda was begging them to do. If anything her cries for mercy did nothing but upset aaron so much so that he starts searching for something to quiet her down he notices an old picnic table nearby he walks over to it and pulls off an old two-by-four that's still studded with nails and begins to beat wanda relentlessly in an effort to take away not only her voice but her life after he gets a few hits in the other men once again go around taking turns beating wanda this time The men stand from what they take as a proud moment to have succeeded in taking away her voice. Though, now in a frenzy, they're rushing, trying to find somewhere to discard her body. Four of the men end up carrying her to David's pickup truck while David goes in an attempt to prepare the vehicle. Once they have her loaded in his truck, they drive off to messenger holler.
1: Okay, so not only have they sexually, each sexually assaulted her, but one grabs a two by four, from an old picnic table and and beats her with it. Yeah. And then they just, what, pick her up, throw her in the back of the truck to drive mm-hmm. her off?
0: Well, yeah. Because, I mean, at this point, she's not, you know... They have severely beat her, which we will get into that later at the details of that. But, I mean, they severely beat her so much. I mean, she's not... She's not talking. She's not doing nothing. I mean, if you looked at her, they they probably they thought she was dead or close to it. Okay. So, they are looking for a place to dump her and get rid of her.
1: Okay. And I'm guessing messenger holler is probably close by
0: yeah i think it's like around dingus area somewhere where the cemetery was okay yeah now once at messenger holler the men set their sights on this pond in an attempt to hide her body they place her in it but they start to have second doubts about that decision when they notice that she's still visible they can still see her so they end up wading into the pond to drag wanda back out and it's this moment that one of them realizes she's still breathing with one terrorizing choice after another, the men choose to tie her hands behind her back and begin strangling her with a shoestring. Whether or not the men realize it at this point, Wanda is still breathing, even after that.
1: So they've sexually assaulted her, mm-hmm. beat her with a tube before, tried to drown her,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they're trying to strangle her. You keep
0: bringing this up
1: like yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just hard to believe. <laughs> that, even, even the strangling part, I mean, that's... That takes some effort. it, it really does because mm-hmm. when you're strangling somebody you're not you're not just cutting off the airflow you're also cutting off the, the blood flow to the brain yeah and, and it even takes usually three five minutes to strangle somebody.
0: Yeah so pretty much it's harder than you think to strangle somebody. It doesn't happen like it does in the movies. Yeah yeah, yeah. Well the men didn't know that because like I said, she's still breathing at this point battered, abused, and bloodied, they place Wanda in a shallow grave and cover her with sticks and branches. They come up with this simple plan to take Wanda's car off somewhere and set it ablaze and just like that, they leave like nothing ever happened. When the next day, August 31st, hits and Wanda isn't anywhere to be found or heard from, her close family and friends start to worry. It's not like Wanda to just not come home and definitely not like her to not come get her babies. West Virginia State Police end up getting involved in trying to locate Wanda. And the community is talking now. Rumors are spreading and gossip is hot in Mingo County, but one rumor isn't so much a rumor. Local police agencies are getting tips that one man is claiming to have been involved in Wanda's disappearance. The West Virginia State Police get wind of this and find themselves on the doorstep of Alfred Dingus Jr., doesn't take long before Alfred is giving them a full confession. He rats everyone out, tells them what happened and where to find Wanda. Which is, like, crazy to me because you just committed this heinous freaking crime that anyone in their right mind would try to shy away from. And not only are you telling people you were involved, you just admit to the police everything. Like, just like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty common. Most people do have guilt. Uh, usually, the guilt will bother them so much that, especially when there's more people involved, yeah. someone's going to talk. Right? Uh, they'll they'll usually give you a confession. For the most part, uh, they'll, they'll give it. They'll tell a small part of their involvement to kind of relieve some of their guilt. Mm-hmm. But they're going to put most of the blame on everybody else. Usually, how it goes when it's more than one person involved.
0: Well, okay. Well. I would say that, you know, you got to be a little messed up in the head to do what he did anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. I think he's a little nuts, but anyways. After taking Alfred's statement of a full confession, the state police split up and immediately go to both Canterbury Cemetery and to the pond at Messenger Holler. Upon arriving to the cemetery, they come across that nail-studded 2x4 that is now drenched in blood, some jewelry, and a cigarette butt. Investigators swab the blood on the 2x4 along with the cigarette butt and send both off for testing. When the results come back, it proves Alfred's statement to be true. The blood is Wanda's, and the DNA on that cigarette butt is Alfred's.
1: Okay, what about the jewelry they found?
0: Well, investigators had it looked at for DNA, and after showing those who were closest to Wanda, the jewelry was definitely hers. They end up finding Wanda's car later in Logan County, burned to a crisp so they went from having no evidence to now there's so much it's piling up officers at the pond find wanda's lifeless body naked with nothing but her socks on those who discovered her body have said that it was an awful sight to see her perpetrators had beaten her beyond recognition after an autopsy reveals that it is in fact wanda lesher the state medical examiner also determines her cause of death due to multiple blunt force injuries to her head back, and torso, with strangulation and drowning as contributing factors. The examiner concludes that she was hit at least 19 times with that 2x4. The nails from it had went into her skull so many times, and when they were pulling the board back out during the assault, it was actually caused her brain to actually shift to the front of her skull. She had multiple fractures to her bones throughout her body, lacerations, and even the bone in the roof of her mouth was broke. And she was missing one of her ears.
1: So, was her ear cut off? It doesn't say. Okay, so more than likely, from all the multiple hits with the 2x4, it's probably just obliterated her ear. Yeah.
0: yeah. Probably, mm-hmm. I mean, they beat her beyond recognition, you know?
1: Wow. wow. Did, they, did they find any DNA on her?
0: The medical examiner was able to pull traces of semen from her, but they were too small to test. Given the fact that there were five men on her, you would naturally assume, before they carried out the rest of the crime, there would have been more than just a tiny bit of semen.
1: I can kind of see there being just a small amount. Mm-hmm. Um, she was picked up, dragged around, threw in a pond, buried in a shallow grave. I can understand there only, there only being a small amount amount left over.
0: Yeah, I mean, you put her in the pond, the water, you know, water is going to wash her away, especially, you know, she's nude. So, you know, you put her in a pond, water could probably wash away DNA evidence. Throw her in the
1: pond, or bring her semen. back out of the pond, and then yeah. you know, with everything they've done, I, I can see that.
0: And then, you know, however they picked her up, you know, if there was more semen, it could have fell out. You know, you know how that is. Yeah. 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 I wonder though, like I wonder if they knew that or if it just happened to play out in their favor that way. Yeah,
1: more than likely it just played out in their favor.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: So the DNA they found the the little bit they did find, it was Alfred's
0: Not the Semen, but now the cigarette bet. The, the oh okay, of the cigarette, the cigarette bet bet. was okay. Alfred's, yeah. Okay.
1: How did they connect the other four? Well besides besides you know, his his statement.
0: Yeah. Well, as for Aaron Nelson, the night they were at the bar. Doug Sparks, a friend at the time, told police that he witnessed Aaron and Alfred both leave with Wanda. Zandal is the one who also tells police that he, along with David and Clinty, were at the cemetery waiting for Aaron, Wanda, and Alfred to arrive, and Alfred collaborates his story.
1: Okay, so at this point, everyone's arrested and booked for murder?
0: Yes. After everything is found and everyone starts talking, police are making arrests left and right, gathering all of the men. Alfred is given a plea with the promise of a life with mercy and being eligible for parole in 15 years if he testifies against Aaron Nelson, which of course he does. Now, Aaron, he has denied his involvement from the get go. When police first go to question him, he immediately shouts, I didn't do anything to that girl, before but, they can even ask a question.
1: That's not suspicious at all. <laughs>
0: I know, like if you were if you were on a call, if you went to do something like that, and somebody shouted that at you, what would you think?
1: Uh, uh, guilty, I mean, automatically. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's, that's, to me,
1: that's just a guilty conscience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the first. Nope, didn't do nothing, but me. <laughs> so, do they ask him anything?
0: They haven't even walked in yet. Like they go to him. I think they they go, go to him. His house.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. They they walk in. and He's like, I didn't do anything. To that girl.
0: Just straight up, I didn't do nothing to that girl. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's that's really suspicious. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would think guilty automatically, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, the police, like, they show up and they've not even questioned him. Like, they've not even told him what they're even there for yet. And he just immediately is shouting, you know, I didn't do nothing to that girl. So, wouldn't that make you, like, immediately think, well, I've not even told you why I'm here yet and you're already bringing this yeah, up. you're
1: already defending yourself. I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's suspicious. That's weird. Well, with Alfred's testimony, the state secures Aaron's guilty sentence, and he receives two life sentences with no mercy, plus 15 to 25 years, all to be served consecutively.
1: So he received two life sentences with no mercy, plus another 15 to 25 years consecutively, consecutively, which means one right after another. Like, Mm -hmm. you'll smoke a cigarette, then you'll smoke another one, then you'll smoke another one, then you'll smoke another one instead of smoking all four at once, which would be concurrent. So consecutively, he'll he'll do one life sentence, then he'll do the next life sentence, then he'll, he'll serve time for this. So th- there's no possibility of him getting
0: out. Right. Okay, so concurrently means that like... They would all he, run
1: together. Like you got five years for doing this, five years for doing this, five years for doing this. If it's concurrent, after five years, you're free. You, you've served time for all three... Uh, oh, charges. okay, okay.
0: Yeah. So, like, if it's concurrent, they left them all together. Yeah. Okay.
1: Consecutives one, then the, right. next, then the next, then the next,
0: then the next. Okay. When Sandal Bryant decides to talk about 14 months after Alfred does, and also receives a plea of serving a minimum of 30 years before he would be eligible for parole, if he testifies at trial against David and Clinty, he balances his odds and takes the plea in the end. And in doing so, Quincy receives two life sentences without mercy and 15 to 50 years of incarceration. Now, Quincy later tries to appeal his conviction and uses the fact that the DNA wasn't tested. His attorney says if the state would have had it tested, it could have proven his innocence. But the court comes back with, well, y'all had just as much of a right to the DNA as we did and y'all could have had it tested back then too, but you didn't.
1: They were probably afraid it would Come back to him. <laughs> yeah. They, they were going to try to use that as leverage. To, well, the state didn't... Should have done this. The state should have done that. When they had just as much right to the DNA to have it tested.
0: Right. Okay. So, when you're in court, something like that, you've got the state and defense team are both, you know, can get hold of evidence and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you, any, the state has to turn over all evidence to the defense. Okay.
0: Well, not to mention that the whole reason, though, that the state didn't have it tested was because it was just a little bit. And if they could test it, then it would have been like one of those one-shot drops that you had to pray doesn't get messed up. In the end, though, it, it doesn't matter because his appeal is denied. Anyways, when it comes to David Nelson, though, he really did try to push his odds of being found innocent. He claimed from the get-go that he had nothing to do with any of this, and he puts the blame on the other guys. After all... He had an alibi.
1: Really? He had an alibi?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. To an extent, yeah. When it comes to his hearing, he relied heavily on this alibi, plus the testimony of his wife, Lynetta, and his older daughter, Keisha, who was 14 at the time. Lynetta tells the court that she'd left for work on the evening of August 30th to make her way to Logan General Hospital, where she was a nursing assistant. She says that she left David at home with their two girls, Keisha and the youngest, one who was five years old at the time. She also claims that she called David at some point that night and spoke to him. Upon arriving home after her shift that next morning, David was there at the house right where she had left him the night before. His daughter, Keisha, testifies that he was home as well to back it up.
1: What's to stop him from sneaking out midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning?
0: Yeah, like after the girls are asleep?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no alibi for that
0: yeah you know i feel like you see that a lot too i mean you've seen a lot of other cases where people sneak out of the house after your significant other or your children are asleep so i feel like that is a lot more common than not when it comes to crimes (sighs) i don't really believe the testimony you know i'm not saying that they're lying in those testimonies i'm just saying there is time here where they can't account for no matter how hard you wish you could
1: yeah yeah I, I, I agree with you there
0: well the jury must have thought so too they must have agreed with me also because they find him guilty on all counts murder of the first degree kidnapping sexual assault of the first degree and three counts of conspiracy relating to those offenses on may 20th of 2005 david is sentenced to two penitentiary terms of life with no mercy for murder and kidnapping 15 to 35 years for the sexual assault, and three terms of 1 to 5 years for conspiracy. Circuit Court directed them be served consecutively. David appeals his convictions like six or seven times, claiming that he had an unfair trial, because during the initial trial, the state brought up a CPS case from 1987 regarding his sister, Sheila Nelson.
1: Okay, what, what about his sister?
0: Well, she claimed that in 1983 or 84 that David sexually abused her. Sheila would have been 13 at the time. His attorneys try to say that this should have never been allowed to be brought up and that it swayed the jury into the conviction. But let me tell you why the judge allowed it. The state didn't just bring it up out of nowhere. His defense team tries strategy of painting David out to be like a family man. He had been married to Lynetta since 1988, and he had two girls of his own. He was this hard worker, yada yada, and that he would never rape or sexually abuse a woman. And when those words leave his defense attorney's lips, that's when the state comes back with, Oh, really? Because according to this CPS case back in 87, you did exactly that to your sister. So, because his defense team brought up his character, the judge allowed for the state to do so as well. Many of his appeals were denied, but in October of 2007, the Supreme Court did grant his mistrial because of that being brought up.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm assuming bringing up a CPS case, they were trying to use that as upon his character in a bad way, in a negative way. Right. Yeah. Okay, but but the Supreme Court kicked that out. Yeah. Oh, I can I can. Kinda see why. I mean, I read a little bit up on this and, and read the, their opinions of the, why they why they declared it a mistrial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Agree with it or not, uh, that that was the decision.
0: Well, what was their opinion? Why did they Why did they agree with it?
1: Just I think it was more the way the the questions were asked uh, on the stand with the jury present.
0: It seems that it didn't really do anything though. Anyways, in the end, because he is still serving his sentence to this day.
1: So I'm I'm guessing. Everybody testifying against him probably was the nail in the coffin for him.
0: Yes. You know, I feel like, um, as far as the rest of them, like after the crime happened, maybe went a little fast, or we explained it a little fast and jumped right into it. But we've done that because if you look online and stuff, you know, there was some time that went by, um, a little bit of time before Alfred came up and confessed, which is when you know, when Alfred confessed, he kind of set off a domino effect of, you know, every, all the other perpetrators coming, coming down with him. But we said that kind of fast, because there wasn't really anything that happened. You know, police were looking, Wanda was reported missing, police were looking for, people were talking, and then all this happens with Alfred. And I mean, right after Alfred starts spitting everything out, it takes no time for police to make these arrests and then everyone is ratting on everyone and telling their sides of the story and everything comes to light. So that's why I kind of with this episode it may have sounded like we kind of just jumped right into it, but in all reality that's genuinely how it happened in real life.
1: Yeah, there's there's so much more that you can read online. You can read actually read the court documents, uh, yeah. the appeals. Uh, there's there's so much more you can read that's just it gets so much more involved than what we went over.
0: Yeah, I mean, what we've said is pretty much, though, the gist of everything. You can get on our website, like we said at the beginning of this episode, and I have links to um, court documents and everything like that. But literally, we have said everything that's within them. Anything that matters, I guess I should say. Alfred Dingus Jr., Zandal Bryant, Aaron, Clancy, and David Nelson did a lot more than just take a woman's life. They committed such an atrocious crime that ultimately affected not just Wanda, but her family and especially her babies. No child should ever have to grow up without their mother, and no woman or human being should have to endure the terror that Wanda was put through. I'm a huge advocate for bringing back burning at the stake when it comes to certain crimes, and this is definitely one of those crimes that I think everyone should have been burned at the stake so stay safe out there try to be aware of your surroundings and if nothing else especially women
1: protect yourself carry a gun learn to use it safely you just never know the demons that's lurking around any corner
0: again i'm your host gabrielle and i'm alan we'll talk next week